we bid you welcome you who come with weary spirit seeking rest who come with troubles that are too much with you who come hurt and afraid we bid you welcome you who come with hope in your heart who come with anticipation in your step who come proud and joyous we bid you welcome you who are seekers of a new faith who come to probe and to explore who come to learn we bid you welcome you who enter this space as a homecoming who have found here room for your spirit who find in this people a family whoever you are however you are wherever you are on your journey we bid you welcome so settle in and make yourselves at home these opening words by richard s gilbert welcome all those who are gathered here on zoom this morning to take part in this sunday service welcome to regulars to friends and visitors who are with us today particularly the contingent from brighton who are here on a virtual away day also to anyone who might be listening in via the podcast or watching on youtube at some day in the future for anyone who doesn't know me my name's jane blackhall i've been part of the kensington congregation for 22 years and i'm currently the ministry coordinator here for those of you who are with us for the first time we're particularly glad you're with us i hope you find something of what you need this morning a little bit of warmth and comfort on this chilly autumn day, perhaps perhaps a new challenging idea to chew on, or a little spark of inspiration, who knows. Please do hang around afterwards for a chat if you'd like, or drop us an email to introduce yourself, or you might think about coming to one of our other small group events during the week. They're a better way to get to know people more organically, to get a more rounded sense of who this congregation is. If you're a regular here, thanks for all you do to welcome all who come. Even while we're on Zoom, we all have a part to play in co-creating this sacred space, this sense of community. As we always say, feel free to do what you need to do to be comfortable this hour. It is lovely to see your faces in the gallery. It helps us get a sense of togetherness. But we know for some it will feel more comfortable to keep your camera mostly off, and that is totally fine. There are various opportunities to join in as we go along, but they are invitations, not obligations. There's no compulsion to join in with anything. You can quietly lurk with our blessing. You know how to find us if you want to say hello later on. This morning's service is titled Be My Guest. And today we'll be reflecting on hospitality from both sides. What does it mean to be a good host and a good guest in a world that's ever changing? Might we have to reconsider some of our long held views on etiquette and what counts as good manners in order to truly give and receive an authentic sense of welcome that meets people where they are? And what does true hospitality look like for these days for a church that wants to be more welcoming? What's to think about? But first, I will light our chalice as we do each Sunday and at other times when we gather. This simple ritual connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over, and it reminds us of the historic and proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part. In times of darkness, we stumble towards the tiny flame. In times of cold and isolation, we seek the warming fire. In times of repression, we reach for the lamp of truth. 
In times of loss, we pray for the comforting light. In times of joy, we light a candle of celebration. Spirit of life and love, as we kindle this light, help us each find what we need this day. And let's take those joys and concerns, both expressed and unexpressed, and hold them in loving kindness as best we can as we move into an extended time of prayer and reflection now. This prayer is based on words by George Kimmich Beach and also from the Enfleshed Collective. First, you might want to adjust your position for greater comfort. You might want to close your eyes or soften your gaze. There might be a posture that feels more prayerful to you. Whatever you need to do to get into the right state of body and mind to pray together, to be fully present in this sacred time and space with yourself, with each other, and with that which is both within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being, giver of being and freedom, who touches our lives in unforeseen ways, who unsettles our ease. As we turn our attention to the depths of this life, cosmic mystery and wisdom that abides in all that is, we tune into your holy presence within us and amongst us. We wait in these moments of stillness to let the hidden processes of healing and growth do their silent, sacred work within us. And to let the quiet work of reconciliation be renewed among us. Because we know that the ultimate concerns of life, healing and growth, Reconciliation and renewal, insight and transformation, these cannot be forced. Not by excessive activity nor tumult of words. So we seek out this stillness. We seek the quiet resting place for our restless, troubled hearts. because we live with mystery, we trust that which is deeper than we know. That which touches our hearts, which steadies and rekindles our spirits, which in faith may be named the love that has laid hold on us, that will not let us go. when so much of our world is groaning with injustice and fatigue, we are invited to turn to God and to one another, to turn to the deepest reality we know, the oneness at the heart of all. We're not meant to carry the struggles of this world alone, so in a spirit of collective embrace, may we share together in prayer all that troubles our hearts. all of the bodies in suffering, deprived of resources, withheld from care, 
or made into targets of violence. Hear our prayers. For all whose spirits are in despair, those facing loss or grief, those who are isolated or struggling to accept their own worth. Hear our prayers. And in a few moments of shared silence and stillness, let us each call to mind those struggles and sufferings that weigh heavy on our hearts this day. And let us hold them gently in the light of love, that larger love that holds us all. Just as we're not meant to shoulder the world's pain alone, we're equally invited to delight with one another in the joys that sustain us. For the beauty that grows around us and within, despite everything, we give thanks. For the gifts of sharing and relationships that transform and sustain us, we give thanks. For art and music and stories and truths that foster love and connection, we give thanks. For every source of courage in the face of all that makes us anxious and afraid, we give thanks. And in a few more moments of shared silence and stillness, let us each call to mind some of the many gifts we've been given in the week just past. And let us inwardly treasure these blessings, whether they're large or small, with gratitude. For your presence within and around us, in highs and lows, in hope and despair, we give thanks. Hear our prayers and deepen our willingness to show up for one another, sharing in each other's burdens and working for each other's protection. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves. Using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time for our first hymn now, For All That Is Our Life, 
It's a recording from our own congregation back in 2016, which means you'll probably hear a fair amount of shuffling, rustling and coughing in the background. Please excuse that. This hymn, in a way, is a continuation of our prayers, a song of thanksgiving for the gift of life in all its mess and complexity. The words will appear on screen so that you can sing along, or you might prefer just to listen. We'll do our best to make sure you're all kept muted so that nobody will hear you. Welcome All Souls by Tom Owen Toll. The following piece by Unitarian Universalist Minister Tom Owen Toll was written nearly 20 years ago. It's from his book, Growing a Beloved Community, which reflects rigorously on how we might put on our Unitarian ideals into practice if our congregations are to live up to our aspirations. What is it that we need to do in practice to make our communities little microcosms of the beloved community or the kingdom of God? How can we truly be the change we want to see in this world? In this excerpt titled Welcome All Souls, he reflects on the importance of hospitality in our churches. The mission of every Unitarian community is to offer an open door to all souls, then to be good hosts. 
lovingly attending to those who join. Outsiders are kindly welcomed and sensitively treated once inside. Extending the hand of fellowship and steadfast caregiving comprises the hospitable rhythm of a community of faith. Mature church life begins with hospitality. The most ancient religious rite hallowed in every tradition, at least in writ, if less successfully in practice. All of us in one way or another, at one time or another, are the caves in which others find shelter and kinship through the ritual bond of hospitality. In the First Church of San Diego, we regularly say the following affirmation at the beginning of our services. Welcome, one and all, to our Unitarian Universalist religious community. We welcome you, whoever you are, whatever tradition, gender, race, sexual orientation, or age you represent. In our presence, may you walk the ways of truthfulness, service, and holiness. And through all your days and nights in our presence, may you experience love. On paper, this is pretty solid statement, but on reviewing it recently, I noticed two oversights. First, we left out class, an often ignored category, particularly given the overwhelmingly middle-class makeup of many Unitarian churches. And the phrase, may you walk, assumes that everyone is able-bodied. There are people in almost every congregation who aren't able to walk. Clearly, one could ferret out some flaw or another in the well-intentioned welcoming words or mission statements found in any of our liberal churches and we repeatedly fall short of our ideals. However, our goal remains to become, without growing obsessive, gradually more inclusive, paying sincere attention to who might be left out in our hymns or reading selections where representation is lacking, or in all the practices of congregational life. Healthy congregations discover new ways to be genuinely expansive while realizing that people are fallible and our churches will keep missing the mark. Tom Owen Toll closes with some excerpts from a membership ceremony in his own church, which sum up the essentials of this message to the newcomer. We are happy that you are with us. We gladly share with you in everything that strengthens this congregation. And we stand with you against anything that will injure or weaken it. We believe that membership in our beloved community will enrich and enlarge your life as well as ours. We need your gifts. We offer ours. Know well that in our membership, you are truly accepted to come as you are and to grow who you wish to become. So now we've come to a time of meditation. 
I'm going to share a blessing by the Irish philosopher poet John O'Donoghue to take us into a time of stillness. It's titled Blessing for a New Home. I wonder if this morning we can think of it as a blessing for our spiritual home, this home that we co-create each time we gather together, whether that's in person or online. It's also a reminder of our aspiration to be truly hospitable here, to build beloved community and, as Tom Owen Toll said, welcome all souls. These words will be followed by a few moments of shared stillness during which we'll have our virtual chalice on the screen and the silence will end with a lovely jazzy piece titled After Sunrise, performed by our music scholar Abby Larimier on cello, Georgia Morgan Turner on guitar and Georgia Dawson on French horn. So let's each do what we need to do to get comfortable now. Have a wiggle again if you need to, perhaps you'll put your feet flat on the floor to ground and steady yourself. You might wanna close your eyes as we let these words of blessing from John O'Donoghue take us into a time of stillness. May this house steady shelter your life. When you come home here, may all the weight of the world fall from your shoulders. May your heart be tranquil here blessed by a peace the world cannot give. May this home be a lucky place where the graces your life desires always find a pathway to your door. May nothing destructive ever cross your threshold. May this be a safe place full of understanding, where you can be as you are without the need of any mask of pretense or image. May this home be a place of discovery, where the possibilities that sleep in the clay of your soul can emerge to deepen and refine your vision for all that is yet to come to birth. May it be a house of courage, where healing and growth are loved, where dignity and forgiveness prevail. A home where patience of spirit is prized and the sight of the destination is never lost, though the journey be difficult and slow. May there be delight around this hearth. May it be a house of welcome for the broken and diminished. May you have the eyes to see that no visitor arrives without a gift and no guest leaves without a blessing.
This reading has as a title, The Fine Art of the Good Guest. It's by Jeffrey A. Lockwood, who's a Unitarian Universalist minister. And the reading comes with a content note for any vegan or vegetarian listeners, or need anyone with a delicate constitution. It is a reflection on what it means to be a good guest. But remember, this is just one person's perspective. Later in the service, we'll think about some alternative views which bring in other considerations and paint a broader picture of the relationship between host and guest. Jeffrey Lockwood writes, the most important thing that I've learned in traveling to more than 20 countries is the art of being a guest. And I'm a particularly fine visitor at the supper table. I've consumed live fish in Inner Mongolia, not quite coagulated blood sausage on the Tibetan plateau, shredded pig's ear in China, grilled lamb fat in Uzbekistan, horse steaks in Kazakhstan, vodka made from fermented mare's milk in Siberia, Vegemite in Australia, goat in Brazil, and snails in France. I don't have an iron stomach by any means, but I do have the will to be a virtuous visitor. We are all visitors, even when we are home. Our time in any relationship or place is ultimately limited. We are passing through. Nobody stays forever. How might we act if we consider ourselves guests in the lives of friends and family? Being a good guest is rather simple in principle, but occasionally challenging in practice. One begins by demanding nothing more than the bare elements of life and dignity, which every host is more than delighted to exceed. The good guest then simply allows the other person to be a good host, to share his gifts, to play her music, to tell his stories, to show her places and to serve his foods. Finally, a guest should cultivate and express genuine gratitude. It need not be effusive or exorbitant, only sincere. We might also think of ourselves as uninvited but not unwelcome guests of the planet. And I think the rules for being a good guest of the world are just the same. Ask little, accept what is offered, and give thanks. Thanks, Harold. Once upon a time, or so it seems to me, there was a one-size-fits-all approach to hospitality. You could, at least in principle, consult an etiquette guide, which would spell out in fine detail the proper way to conduct yourself as a host or a guest, at least within a particular cultural context. 
and most of us will likely have been brought up with at least an approximate sense of what counts as good manners relative to the expectations of the class and the culture that we grew up in. And that piece we just heard, Geoffrey Lockwood is pretty clear about what he thinks is required of him if he's to be a good guest, to ask little, to accept what is offered and give thanks. And he's making a broader point, of course, these are good principles for being a guest of the world, as he calls it. But consider his examples of consuming live fish, horse steak and fermented mare's milk vodka on his globe trotting travels. The message is that a virtuous visitor should just eat up and be grateful. By this measure, I think I'd be a pretty bad guest. I don't think I could bring myself to eat much on his menu. And in this day and age, we might well be concerned to allow for people's ethical principles. What about the guest who is vegan or vegetarian, who has allergies or religious constraints? Perhaps, though, if we're in a place where food is scarce and that's all they've got to offer, we might think differently. And if someone has offered you their best, a local de delicacy just to honour you, it seems a poor show to turn your nose up at it. The rules for being a good guest are perhaps not as clear cut as they first seem, though. If we reflect more deeply on the matter, we might well uncover some conflicting principles or values or priorities that are at stake for people who are involved. What's the more important consideration? Honouring the host's offering or upholding, say, your vegan principles? Or from the other side as the host, what's more important? Offering food which is culturally significant to you or accommodating the guests' preferences and needs? This sort of balancing act, the back and forth of anticipating each other's needs and preferences and the values and expectations and boundaries and resources that lie behind them, all this messy stuff seems key to hospitality. In preparing for today's service, I temporarily disappeared down an internet rabbit hole of contemporary online articles on how to be a good guest and how to be a good host. In conclusion, it's complicated, who knew? Many of the tips I found were cancelled out by other tips elsewhere, stating more or less the opposite advice. For example, guests, take the initiative to make yourself comfortable and state your needs. Your host can't read your mind. Versus guests, don't ask your host to turn the heating up. Just put an extra jumper on rather than risk imposing on them or embarrassing them. Still, despite all this, a few common threads emerged which might be useful principles for us to bear in mind, both as individuals and as congregations attempting to practice hospitality and, as Jeffrey Lockwood, as, as Tom Owen Toll, sorry, put it, welcome all souls. One key aspect of hospitality is sensitivity to the particular needs and preferences of your guests. On a very mundane level, this might mean checking about any dietary restrictions they have, you know, before you serve them a plate of pig's ears. But there are more subtle things to be aware of too. In Tom Owen Toll's reflection, which Sonia read for us, he spoke about the importance of reflecting on aspects of our practice, our norms, our ways of being as a congregation, and being alert to the ways in which we might inadvertently be making people feel unwelcome. And as the years go by, if we're paying attention, we become more and more aware of ways in which we can do better in this regard. One example that comes to mind for me, over the last few years, I've begun to get a bit of insight into issues related to neurodiversity, that is issues which affect autistic people, people with ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, highly sensitive people, and depending on how broadly you define it, people with mental health diagnoses, uh, anxiety, depression, and more. There's a lot we need to learn about how different people experience the world differently. 
in a way this is stating the obvious but it's an error to assume that everybody has the same needs and preferences that we do and if we only offer the sort of hospitality that we would like to receive then we'll likely only be truly welcoming to people who are very much like us I don't think that's our intention. It's like the difference between the golden rule and the platinum rule. The high aspiration is surely to treat other people as they would wish to be treated. We could be far more welcoming to a far more diverse spectrum of people if we'd actually listen to what people in different groups, such as the neurodiverse communities, are saying about their own needs. And often I think you'll find that small, easily overlooked adaptations are all that would be needed, perhaps giving a wider range of options for participation, making available before the event detailed and accurate information about what to expect, and allowing people a pass option or an easy way out of any activities. All these sort of changes would make our activities a lot more accessible for a lot of people. Now that's just one option, one example, but it's an example that Tom Owen Toll wouldn't have been aware of when he wrote his reflection 20 odd years ago. So I offer it just as a reminder that there's always more to learn and we shouldn't rest on our laurels when it comes to offering a more inclusive welcome. Another thing that seems important in hospitality is to be clear about expectations and crucially to stick to any agreements you make to avoid setting anyone up for anxiety or embarrassment or resentment. It's all right, in fact, it is healthy for both host and guest to set the limits and the boundaries that they need. If as a host, your default assumption is my house, my rules, then it's worth spelling out those rules as best you can ahead of time, especially if any of them are a bit unexpected or out of the ordinary. Then your prospective guests knows what they're in for. And you know, perhaps if they don't like the sound of it, they can choose not to come, or at least they can come prepared. There's been a lot more of this explicit spelling out of expectations in the past year of pandemic. As the official COVID safety regulations have come and gone, there's been, at least in the circles I move in, a lot of care taken over the negotiation of consent around in-person meetups to try and take account for everybody's differing levels of risk tolerance. If someone invites you over, there might be a preliminary check-in a few days ahead of time. What are our expectations? What are our boundaries in this moment? Are we going to be indoors or outdoors? Distance or not? Masks or not? hugging or no hugging? Will we all take lateral flow tests the night before? Such considerations are a very real aspect of what it means to be a good host and a good guest in 2021. Which is not to say there's necessarily one right answer. Again, no one size fits all. But whatever you decide will rule some people in and some people out. As long as you communicate it clearly, and crucially, as long as you follow through on the agreements you make around those boundaries, then your guests can make informed choices about where they feel comfortable, safe and welcome. Now, COVID safety is the obvious example with which to illustrate this idea at this moment in history, but there are many more run-of-the-mill areas in which anyone and everyone could benefit from such clarity of expectations. And although there's much more we could say about hospitality uh, than I've got time for this morning, because it's 5 to 11 already, I'll perhaps offer just one more aspect to continue. To consider and that's the value of give and take mutuality hospitality implies a generosity of spirit that goes both ways our words for meditation today by john o'donoghue concluded no visitor arrives without a gift and no guest leaves without a blessing and marjorie j thompson a spiritual writer she's also got something to say on the matter that i'd like to share 
she writes, in offering shelter, nourishment, rest and enjoyment to our guests, we often discover that they gift us with their presence. The relationship of host and guest is a mutual one. The very root of the word hospitality, hospice, means both host and guest. And she continues, hospitality entails providing for the need, the comfort and the delight of the other with all the openness, respect, freedom, tenderness and joy that love itself embodies. Hospitality is concerned with the total well-being of the guest. It is a movement to include the guest in the very best of what we ourselves have received and can therefore offer. It is the act of sharing who we are as well as what we have. Thus, hospitality of the heart lies beneath every hospitable act. Words by Marjorie Thompson. In today's complex and ever-changing world, we probably know better, don't we, than to try and codify the art of being a good host or a good guest in a simple set of etiquette rules to be followed. There are perhaps virtues to which both host and guest might aspire, sensitivity, awareness, caring, generosity, clear communication and gratitude, and you might have qualities you'd add to this list. Maybe we can think of hospitality as being a bit more like a dance in which host and guest might both hope to tune into the needs of the other, carefully communicate their expectations and their boundaries and show generosity of spirit, especially in those moments when they tread on one another's toes. And with that image in mind, let's have our final hymn now, recorded by the Unitarian Music Society, Let It Be A Dance. Feel free to sing or dance around your living room if you like, otherwise you can just listen and enjoy. Let the music say the word. 
Just a few announcements before we close. Thanks to Hannah for co-hosting today, to Sonia and Harold for reading, to our trio for particularly lovely musical offerings this morning. We'll have virtual coffee time after the service if anyone wants to hang around and chat. Um, if you can bear it, we like to take a group photo after the closing music, so stick around if you don't mind. We'll be back next week on Zoom at 10 for the first Sunday in Advent uh, when, when someone well-known to Brighton Unitarians will be joining us. Jeff Jones will be, will be helping out with next week's service. As ever, there are a number of opportunities to connect with the congregation in the week ahead. This afternoon, there is a getting to know you walk setting off from the church at 2.15. Carolyn is leading the walk. Are you ready to wave, Carolyn, if I spotlight you? There we go. That's what Carolyn looks like if you want to look out for this afternoon. <laughs> I think that's enough encouraging for now. Um, yes, uh, Carolyn would like to have a mobile number for you if possible, but I guess if you turn up, it will be fine. Um, details of Carolyn's email and all that are in the Friday Friday newsletter. Coffee morning is 10.30 on Tuesday. Newcomers are always welcome. Heart and Soul this week is on the theme of good faith. That's our contemplative spiritual gathering. Still got quite a few spaces tonight. If you'd like to join us, Friday's a bit busy. That's at seven o'clock. This congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings, and we encourage people to keep in touch with each other during the week and look out for each other as best we can. We're still looking for volunteers to be involved in a virtual choir singing Christmas carols to include in the Christmas Eve service. You don't have to be a brilliant singer. This is a, a fun community sing-along. I'm looking for all the bobble hats and sparkly jumpers to make it a smashing occasion. Um, if you want to be involved with that, get in touch. I'll send out instructions during the next couple of weeks on how to record yourself at home, and then me and Marilisa will glue it all together. The more the merrier. Um, advance notice, as part of moving towards hybrid in-person services, we're going to change our service time from the start of December to a 10.30 start. We are currently planning to hold an in-person Sunday service on Sunday the 12th of December. This may not be a fully hybrid service. Uh, we might only be able to offer a passively streamed experience for those who are joining in from home. You'll be able to watch the, view, the service on Zoom as usual, but for that week only, you might not be able to fully interact with the candles and so forth. I apologise for this. We're doing our best. I sincerely hope we'll have the full hybrid system up and running early in the new year so that everyone can participate as equals, regardless of where they're joining us from. We've just had one technical hitch after the other, but that's hospitality, right? We're doing our best to involve everyone wherever they are. Um, I'll be looking for a number of helpers uh, to take on some in-person stewarding roles that day. So look out for, for volunteer requests from me and help if you can. Keep an eye out for a special update message towards the end of the month with more details about that and lots of other things that are going on behind the scenes with Kensington Unitarians. <sighs> and breathe. We've just got our closing words and our closing music now. So I invite you to select gallery view at this point if you can, so we can all see each other and get a sense of our connectedness as we come to a close. The worship of this gathered community is now ended. Go in peace, embraced by the light and the warmth. Go in love, ready to struggle on once again. Go in beauty shining forth like a lamp for freedom. And let us share in the ongoing worship of the community dispersed, taking what we've found here back out into the world and passing it on for the greater good of all. Amen.